morning. My name is Brandon Levi, and I come from the island of Merritt down in Florida. <laughs> um, so bear with me if I'm a little bit nervous, but I figured, you know, if we just read scripture all morning, we wouldn't be, I can't go wrong, right? So don't take my word for it. We're going to study out of the book of Titus today because um, I refer to him as Fat Rock because that's all I've known him by since I was eight years old. My sister was four. She's over here. And my brother was nine or ten, and Dylan was an idea. But <laughs> um, today, my goal was, or my goal, my mission is to continue the series that Farrak started on TGIF, thankfulness, godliness, influence, and finishing um, on the right foot. If I, my voice starts shaking, it's because I'm a little nervous, and I tend to talk fast. So if that happens, it'll be a 15-minute sermon. We'll go to lunch. It'll be great. Um, all right, so TGIF, today we are kicking off godliness. It's June 3rd, the whole month of June, that's what we're going to be covering, and there's two main questions that we want to answer today, oh, I would like to try to answer today, is one is, how godly are you? And the second one is, what does it mean to be godly? Well, when someone asks me a difficult question, I got to walk around, because I can't just stand in one spot, but to, to when someone asks me a difficult question, like, where do you want to go eat? Or, you know, did you do your homework yet? Or anything like that. The first thing I do is I Google it. Okay, so what does it mean to be godly? Well, according to Google, it's devout, reverent, God-fearing, holy, and like God. So, all right, all right, well, that's, that's Google. That, that was written by someone else. What does the scripture have to say with that? Well, thank goodness for me, Paul already wrote this sermon in Titus, in his letter to him. So we will start in Titus 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a bondservant of God and the apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, word of the day, and hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised ages ago. But at the proper time manifested even in his word in the proclamation with which uh, I entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. So this is Paul writing to Titus. We just heard a little sermon last week of Paul and his journey. I mean, the blinding light, the voices, you know, his complete transformation on his road, on his road trip. So, going forward, godliness. What, is, what does it look? What, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. Let's look at, uh, okay, I already Googled it. <laughs> to be like God emanating God. How do we do this? Okay, so this is Paul writing. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. This is the meat and potatoes. This is really, if you want to know what is godliness and how are we supposed to emanate Christ, how are we supposed to live a life like Christ, um, by all means, I'm not the perfect example. <laughs> so it would behoove you to go back and read Titus for yourself. But as for you, speak things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men, all right, I don't, older, you got to be careful using that word, older, when you're talking to people. Um, older men, I guess that means if you have gray hair, um, I don't know. Uh, older men are to be temperate. What is temperate? Uh, it's not like your steak or the temperature. It's temperate is to show restraint, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. So older men, we're going we're gonna to stay there for just a second. Older men, I'd like to talk to you. How many of you have raised young girls. Okay. 
I, I love you. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It is not as easy as everybody says it is. I've got two beautiful little monsters, um, Moana and Malia, and older men. It's already coming back to talk about it. be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound of faith, and love and perseverance. Guess what? You may be retired, but you are not done yet because God calls us to keep working. I need, as a young father, as a young husband, I've only been married a few years. This is my beautiful wife, Brittany. Can't you know go without acknowledging her because... Um, I need men in the church that are going to stay around and help mature me so that I can be a better father for my girls. That goes for the same for all of the young men in the congregation. We, we need you. There are things that you've been able to experience, been able to learn and see firsthand that I didn't even know was going to be an issue, to be honest. I mean, potty training itself is difficult, all right? <laughs> Not for me, for them, but all right. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, number three, or verse three. Older women, likewise. Okay, older women, that's even worse. All right. <laughs> Are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible. Pure, your list is a lot longer than the men's. <laughs> to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. We'll get to the young men next, but all right, older women. Again, I don't know what age that is. You know, I'm not going to try to put a number on it, but being a young Christian in the church, it is very difficult sometimes because we don't quite know how to ask for advice. That's a whole nother sermon in itself. Um, You just asked my wife. It is difficult to love me sometimes, all right? It's, it's difficult when you're learning these new things like, you know, buying a house, raising kids, getting new jobs, graduating, and then not knowing what to do. These are all real-life issues that we tend to have that we need guidance from the older population in our church. And that's not by any means uh, an insult. It's actually just like a badge of honor saying, hey, we need you. We need you. This is real life. This is these struggles that we go through. And these struggles tend to put pressure on us in reality. And it just, you know, it manifests and it stresses us out. And then everybody's like, oh, man, they just don't know better. We don't know better because sometimes we need somebody to just tell us to keep it simple. All right. Numbers, verses six. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be a good example of good deeds be an example of good deeds, with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing to say bad, nothing bad to say about us. That's power. There is power in being able to tell somebody that this is my Lord and Savior, this is his book, his list of instructions for us to raise our families and to live a Christian lifestyle, to emanate godliness. I see him pulling it back together, to, to emanate godliness and be that shining light of example in, in today's society. It's crazy to think. If we would just take the time in our own church to live the example and show, and if you see something that's wrong, all right, I grew up in the Samoan culture, not to get on my soapbox or anything, but in the Samoan culture, it takes a village to raise a child. You're going to go to school and you back talk to your teacher. You're going to get beat by your teacher. You're going to get beat by your parents. You're going to be beat by your grandma. Your neighbors are going to come over for some reason. They're going to beat you. Like, <laughs> But guess what? We got the message across. <laughs> I will never steal another mango. 
All right. <laughs> this is real life. This is relationship. This is the older generation passing down wisdom and those little golden nuggets that we need to know. And growing up, it makes life just a lot bear- more bearable, just to put it plain and simple. And this is godliness. God preaches love. Right here in Paul's letter to Titus saying, hey, this is what you need to be doing in order to emanate godliness because without even saying anything, have you ever met somebody and you're like, man, that's just a good person? Like, I just, I respect them. And it might not even be a community, it might not, you might not even talk to them, but just the way they carry themselves, it's respectable. It's beyond reproach. You can't argue with it. Paul says it because it will put them to shame knowing what is better. Thank God for common sense. I mean, some of us have it, but that roundabout over on Providence makes you wonder. Okay, all right, moving forward. Urge bond bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Let's go back to Titus chapter 1, verse 1 and 3. I'm sorry to throw the thing totally out of order. Paul, a bondservant. So this last message is talking to who? It's a bondservant of God. This is us being uh, the, the lowest level, being a living example, living sacrifice, a servant of Christ, and all these things. My, my goal today is to just get a message across that we as a congregation are hurting, whether we acknowledge it or not. We need the wisdom of the older generation the men and women that are, are living these examples, and the, the younger generation to ask these questions. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up today is because in godliness, you know, the church should be the prime example of anywhere else we go throughout our week. And that is, that is that's on us. That's on me. That's on every, that's, that's on us. Like, we, we carry that. We are the example to the people we go to school with, the people we work with, the people we interact with, we're the example for new Christians. What is the worst thing ever to plant a seed and have somebody's, you know, they, they come to know who God is and they want to learn and they want to grow, but I just don't have the time. How am I supposed to fit that in my schedule? I work full time. I go to school. I've got a family. Guess what? That's not enough. We, we as a congregation, we have, to, we have to step it up. You cannot love the church or you can't love God and hate the church. Why? Because, well, we are the church. Huntsville is, is our example of godliness, or should be, the way we carry ourselves. And, I mean, believe me, you get to know me. I'm a pretty reactive person, so I, that's my struggle. That's what I struggle with, is, is how do I shut my mouth and not say something smart sometimes? And, and so how do we take these little things, you know, on a day-to-day? Let's go, can we go to um, verses or chapter 2, verses, or the first verse of chapter 2. But as for you, speak things that which are fitting for sound doctrine. If we're not using the Bible as our litmus test, this is not our, our regulation. Like, I grew up military, so it was, you know, why do you do this? Because oh, I said so, you know. Um, if we're not doing what the Bible says, if we're not living a life based off sound doctrine, being peacekeepers, 
not being reactive and, and, and show love and patience. I mean, those, those two things alone we struggle with on a day-to-day basis whether we want to admit it or not. And how, what kind of example are we setting for the, the ones behind us? I mean, this is, it, it hits home with me because these, Moana's only two and a half. That's, she soaks everything up like a sponge. You can't say anything. can't go to the bathroom by yourself. You can't do anything without her wanting to know what's going on. That learning spirit is what our younger generation needs to have in order to be more prepared. There's a lot of things that we could just completely avoid. If we take love and patience and apply it to our daily life in every aspect, because we want to live a life like Christ, because we want to emanate God, what, I mean, if you realize it, if we took Brandon, let's take Brandon and, all right, I'm not going to do, I don't want to go through my whole, you know, closet, but... uh, (laughs) On a daily life, live a life like Christ, all of the sin in the world wouldn't exist if we all did it. That's all the problems of today. That's all political issues. That's all just arguments that are completely pointless, going us in circles and, and completely distracting us from the one who came to save us and distracting us from the fact that he's like, okay, everlasting life grace and forgiveness of your sins, safe from hell. All these things we're completely distracted from because we want to talk about things that don't matter. Roundabout circles in Providence. Like, <laughs> patience will take care of that. So, in order to live a life of godliness, we have to, we have to live... Love and patience and everything else, like I said, go back and read Titus because he goes through like a list of 18 different things and they're all sermons on themselves. The people around us, school, work, and home, the seeds we plant, new Christians, making sure that we aren't just, you know, okay, this is our Lord and Savior, this is what we believe, good luck. I mean, because if if anything, that's going to do more damage if we leave somebody out there and don't follow through with them. For ourselves... Like I said, if we fix everything, if we fix everything, if we do our best to live like Christ, live love, these day-to-day struggles won't, ex- won't, they, they won't exist, period. Our lives should reflect the kingdom and the truth of God's word. Us as a church needs to be the example. I'm reading through my notes again. And the older generation, I'm telling you guys, we need you. This is my opportunity to just say what's on, what's on our mind. maybe we haven't taken the time to acknowledge how simple it can be, how simple the fix is. Um, Maybe you don't think about it on a daily basis, driving to work. The truth is, is God is forever, and our life here on earth is not. That is the underlying statement. I don't want to be one of those fire and brimstone preachers, you know, but, but they, they're fired up. Life is real. Sin is real. If we don't acknowledge it, and if we don't turn around and shield the little ones behind us, if we don't take action as a congregation to, to show them what a life of godliness is, they're not going to know. And what's worse is life is so quick to get in there and distract them from what's actually important in life that if you wait too long, you won't, that opportunity will not be there anymore. That's a huge fear as a new dad that I've that just, 
It's in your face 24-7. And so, in closing, where's the, <laughs> um, in closing, that was a pretty quick sermon. I think it was like seven minutes. <laughs> That's a whole chapter, all right? Uh, some people, it might take, you know, five minutes to read chap- three chapters in Titus. Me, it took about three weeks. But, I mean, this is, this is, this is reality. The first step to acknowledging this and fixing it is with ourselves. 100% of the time. It's taking our eyes and focusing on what does it look like to live a godly life. And if we, if we don't, it just gets harder and harder because your life and your time gets filled up, my life and my time gets filled up with a lot of, just a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. The first step is acknowledging that. It's, it's, it's hearing the gospel. It's hearing the good news. It's hearing that there is hope and that once you gain that perspective of how little things in life don't really matter, that life gets really simple, believe it or not. Why? Because you're not distracted. You're focused on God. You're trying to be like him. We're trying to live life like Jesus. Once you acknowledge that, confess in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repenting, acting on that confession, turning away and saying, you know what, enough is enough. I'm not going to live life like this anymore. I'm going to be an example for my kids. I'm going to be an example for the young adults at church. Um, be an example for everybody around you because the truth is you're known by your fruits. And, and so if you're, you're living this life and you're, 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 and you're living a life like Christ, that's repentance. That's turning away and saying, you know what, I'm not going to flip the bird off at that guy at the roundabout. I'm not going to complain about the little things in life that are just bringing me down. I'm not going to, like, it doesn't matter that work, it doesn't matter that school, raising a family, it doesn't, all of those things really, in, in reality, don't matter. It's important, because you've got to take care of your family. That's our responsibility. But salvation is more important than anything, because God, again, is forever. Repenting and then coming forward and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the follow through. Is knowing that when you die, God knows your name, you know that he loves you, and you're going to spend forever with him. That, I mean, as simple as that. That hope, that, that confidence, authority, beyond reproach. I love that. That's like my favorite line. Uh, beyond reproach. You cannot argumentative, but confidence in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is your Lord and Savior. One day you're going to be with him, and if you do things right and you live a godly life, maybe your family will be there too. If that doesn't give you an overwhelming peace, I really don't know what will. So, in closing, it's been great to be here. If you have any prayers, if you have any any. Um, you just need to talk to somebody. Our elders are more than willing to come and pray with you. If you realize you've been stalling or maybe just distracted, maybe you're lying to yourself, oh, if I pretend to be happy enough, eventually will be. Guess what? No, because God is the only, he's the only source of joy. Whether you have things or not, he's always there. Sometimes we just lie to ourselves saying that it's going to be okay all the time. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to know that you've stumbled away. We all do. But if you do, we'll just, I don't know how to close a sermon. I haven't done it before. But 
come on up, we'll pray for you. <laughs> Thank you. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is all I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Thank I have one more announcement. Uh, secretly, I always wanted to be on stage and sing and lead the singing. So, so now I've done it. Uh, if there are those that are here that are going to CIY, either the students uh, or the sponsors, if you would come forward now, the elders would like to pray for you and with you. Are there? <laughs>